Welcome to Elegover the Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Abdullah, and today I'm joined by uh, Introduce Yourself. Hi, I'm Ariana Ratner. Uh, daughter of famous voice actor Bill Ratner. Yeah. <laughs> Which must be very annoying, like, you know, people going up to you saying, are you, do you know Bill Ratner? Are you by any chance related to Bill Ratner? <laughs> yeah, it took me a long time to kind of like come out from under his his big shadow in a way <laughs> but yeah um so you know being you know the daughter of you know one of the most prolific voice over artists in the industry like how much like i, I just want to know like was that did that factor in into why you wanted to, to pursue voiceover at all yeah um definitely so i um, I mean, I, I've been an actor since I was little. I did um, commercials and voiceover and, and movies and stuff when I was little because I grew up in L.A. Um, and I always grew up, you know, with my dad being in voiceover. So I knew about the world before I feel like everyone kind of knew what it was. Um, it was kind of the secret world back then. <laughs> like no one knew what it was. Now everyone kind of knows about voiceover. But yeah. Um, yeah. So I... Uh, then I went to theater school, uh, went to theater high school and then NYU for, for my BFA in theater. And then I thought I wanted to do on camera and voiceover, but I kind of like knew I wanted to do a lot, a lot more voiceover than on camera actors normally wanted to do. I remember in an acting class, I kind of said to one of my teachers, um, well, I want to be on an animated series. And he was like, well, why are you in acting school? And I was like, because it's acting. (laughs) Um, but yeah, and then a couple years ago, uh, you know, in the last 13 years or so, I decided to just focus on voiceover. And uh, like what specifically, like what's your favorite thing about voiceover in general? Um, my favorite thing about voiceover, I think really that it's about just you're purely about your talent. Like it's not about what you look like. It's not about, there's no other factor except for just pure talent. So I think that the voiceover actors are some of the most talented actors in act in the acting industry, because you just, you just have to rely only on your voice, which is amazing. And does it annoy you that uh, a lot of people focus more on the voice, how the voice sounds and not the performance? It annoys me mostly when people think that's what's voice what voiceover is about because I don't think the people who are actually casting it or working in it think it's about that. Although I mean it is about that with like promo and trailer. You know, my dad has this really beautiful voice, but um but yeah, people who think about voiceover, oh, you do voiceover, you know, uh they think it's about having just a beautiful voice and and I think the people who cast it and who do it are like, "No, it's about it's about the acting." You don't have to have a beautiful voice at all. It's really about about the acting behind it. And what would you say is the most toughest thing you had to learn about voiceover? The toughest thing. Um, I mean, I was used to the rejection of the of the acting industry because I grew up in it. Um, so probably like that's one of the toughest things for sure is just kind of like I think having things you think are going to go through, like having on a veil for a really big life-changing project and then have it, you know, be taken away from you. Those are definitely the hardest things to get used to. Um, you kind of like, I kind of have gotten to a point where I forget about an audition or a, um, a callback or an avail and I'll just be like, well, it might happen. It might not. And then when it doesn't happen, I'm not disappointed. (laughs) 
maybe that's negative, but it's kind of how you have to think in this industry. I mean, well, like a lot of people I talk to, they just say, I don't get attached when I audition because if you get too attached to start thinking about, you know, thinking about it too much and then you start criticizing yourself and it just becomes, you know, you just you, tr you turn into like a really nitpicky person and no one wants that. No one wants. Oh yeah, that. I ne I mean I never get attached to an audition. It's not, it's hard not to get attached to like an avail. If you're on avail for like a really cool project, you're like, "Oh, what this could happen." But yeah, getting, you know, an audition, I've had so many auditions that could have been <laughs> life-changing, you know. I auditioned for Minnie Mouse and like stuff like that, like with, you know, Caitlin Robrock is is the amazing voice actor who's Minnie Mouse. You know, but when that happened, it was a little bit like Oh, what if this happened? But yeah, you don't you don't get attached to auditions. No, but that's that is actually a really interesting point you bring up in that, you know, auditioning for legacy roles and as well is that that's a lot harder because you know, especially in the case of Minnie Mouse where, you know, the previous actress had passed away and they wanted someone to sound exactly like her. Like was that tough? Like auditioning for you know, uh, such an iconic character like that. Yeah, I mean, it was really cool. Obviously, like, that's such a dream job. And the, the idea, I mean, Caitlin, who is Minnie Mouse, is so down to earth and so cool. And it's like, you know, still, uh, you know, it didn't really change much for her. I feel like when I was thinking about, oh, if I booked Minnie Mouse, I'd be set for life. You know, that was like my thinking. But um, yeah, in terms of the auditioning for it, it was just like, it wasn't something that I did that I always was like going around doing the voice. You know, there's certain voices like Bart Simpson and stuff. I'll just do, you know, this just one of my party tricks kind of thing. But Minnie Mouse wasn't really one of them. So I, I practiced it and I was like, oh, I can kind of do it. And then um, there was a singing aspect and stuff. But yeah, I mean, it wasn't it was I think Caitlin is she's someone who has been like perfecting her mini and she worked at Disneyland and she's just so talented. And so it was just it was just like perfection that she booked that. <laughs> No, she's really great, and I'm kind of happy that she got the role because. Uh, you know, oh yeah, really... I mean she she deserves it more than anyone ever because she literally is obsessed with Disney, which is just incredible. <laughs> oh, it's it's great because she's already a huge fan, and yeah, you know, I honestly thought that she was one of the most underrated actresses yeah. ever, and I'm kind of glad she got she got a big. She role. is <laughs> under, and she's so hardworking. She's been working for her, you know for so long trying to do it's just amazing it's an amazing story i love it um what's your favorite thing about creating characters like do you do it on the fly or do you have a preconception of what the character is i do it on the fly so if i get an audition i believe that like kind of every audition it should be almost like a different it's a different character every character is completely different so i don't have like a rolodex of characters that i pull out i kind of um I kind of just create it from, you know, the information given to me in the script, the story to who they are. Um, yeah. So I don't I don't like kind of hold on to my care. There's certain coaches and actors who kind of have a Rolodex in a way. I mean, I kind of, you know, like if someone's like, can you do a little boy voice for this like ADR job? I'm like, sure. Um, so, you know, I have that little boy voice, the eight year old boy voice. But um, but yeah, I don't I just kind of create it based on the information given to me in the script and then kind of let the voice come out. But the acting is always first and foremost. And what was and what would you say was your most uh, challenging role? My most challenging role. Um, well, surprisingly, what I think the most challenging role I've ever done was when I was like 
18, um, and there was this ADR job. There was this movie called End of the Spear that was in this language that only – part of it was in this language that only like 500 people in the world speak in the Amazon. Um, and they were dubbing the sound – the production sound because the production sound was bad in the Amazon. It was literally in this language. And the uh, – you know, 10-year-old boy or whatever, his voice had changed after the, and he's one of the people who speaks this language, and his voice had changed after production. So they had to find a voice match for him. And it was a same-day casting. And they brought in all these, like, 10-year-old boys trying to get people who could do this, um, who could kind of, like, write out phonetically or, you know, do this phonetic (laughs) breakdown of this weird language. And then last minute I was brought in and I was like, and I I was in theater high school at that point, I think. Yeah. And um and I was learning the phonetic alphabet. So I literally broke it down phonetically and then did and then did the language. So did the ADR for this whole movie for this ten year old boy in a, a language from the Amazon, which was crazy. <laughs> and did you have to learn the language? No, no. I just literally listened to it and then wrote it wrote it out phonetically and then and then did the ADR. Like there, I think I I auditioned at the studio and then did the job right after. It was crazy. I I can imagine because it's like, hey, we need you to do ADR. Oh, that's not too bad. Um, bad news. It's in this language that not a lot of people speak. Yeah. Good luck with that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's why like they tried to have an actual ten year old boy do it, and it was just so hard. They were like, we need an adult. I mean, I was I was like seventeen or eighteen, but. Well, I mean, yeah, because like whenever you're dealing with child actors, you're going to deal with like child labor laws and, you know, they're like, yeah, you know, we could get a 10 year old boy, but it's already hard enough as it is when it comes to child. Yeah, actors. it would take like hours and hours for them to like break down everything. For, like this is the sound. It was just the weird, these weird sounds, too. I've never seen the movie, but yeah, it was, it was very interesting. I, I honestly have never heard of this movie until <laughs> you just mentioned it i'm like uh, that's not something i'm familiar with so no. <laughs> should probably check it out and try to find you <laughs> if i can <laughs> um but like what is you know you you talk about like you know coming up with with characters like was there ever uh when they send you auditions sometimes are they can be like specific and do when they send you auditions do they have an idea of what they want it to sound versus what you want it to sound like you know is is there much of a difference well what's interesting is that's a little bit of a misconception in, in voiceover as well that it's about the sound really i mean you know it could be if you think about certain shows like if you think about Big Mouth, for example, I know that's a lot of celebrities, but none of the little kids who are, you know, supposed to be 13 years old sound like 13 year olds. They're all just adult voices and the acting and the comedy is what makes it work. And you kind of believe if you see an animated character and you hear a voice coming out of them, you kind of believe it if it's funny acting, if it's good acting. So it's less about like doing a voice than more and more about like the acting. Obviously, there's a lot of situations where they do want you to do a voice, but I feel like people have this idea that casting directors know what they want in terms of vocal quality or or things like that. But oftentimes it's like they just want to be they just want to be amused (laughs) like they want to be they want to laugh and they want you to uh, entertain them. So if they get a take that's kind of off the wall and different than what they thought they wanted, uh, sometimes they actually end up going with that because 
it's just more interesting. And they've, you know, they've been listening to, you know, 50 or more auditions sounding exactly the same. And then they hear one that kind of is off the wall and different. And they're like, oh, that's great. So I think that's a little bit of a misconception in voiceover that it's about what what do they want? Let me let me cater to exactly what they want. There's not really that's not really what they want. I mean, sometimes maybe. But yeah. And do you ever get like do you ever like uh, do pro- any promo stuff? Because I know that's a completely different beast when it comes to, uh, you know, when it, when it, versus like, you know, a series. So yeah. I'm just wondering, like, how was Yeah, I, I actually love promo. I, you know, I tried to, in the beginning, I was like, I don't want to do like promo trailer. That's what my dad does. I wanted to do like animation and stuff. And I actually ended up gravitating more towards promo. And I do affiliate station work as well, which is what my dad does all day. Um, but yeah, I, I love promo and promo is, it's funny because promo is kind of this unknown animal as well for a lot of voice actors. Like they don't really understand. They think it's just kind of doing the like tonight on CBS, like that kind of voice. And it is, I mean, it's, it is definitely a voice, but it's more also you're a narrator, you're a storyteller, you're telling like what time this, you know, come to watch this thing and, um, a vibe and, it really is more about storytelling than people think. So it's not just like kind of blank slate, like, I mean, blank, blank faced, like just saying the words. It, it really is about what's behind it as well. Being a narrator, because anyone can kind of fake being a voiceover artist and a, and a promo voiceover. But yeah, it de- it definitely has more behind it than people think. Well, yeah, because you need to understand like who the main, who the target demographic is what the promo is for and what type of tone you're going to take when it comes to said promo. Yeah. And the tone, it really, I mean, that comes from less of like, Oh, this is like what it, what it's supposed to sound like. And more like, Oh, this is who I'm talking to. And this is what I'm, you know, conveying. I mean, not the information, not that just the time and stuff, but more like, you know, this is serious, you know, and then going into it, that kind of thing, just being really in the story. It all is about, I mean, I think all of voiceover is about stories and about being committed to the circumstances. I think every single area, even commercial promo, um, maybe not, a, yeah, even affiliate, you have to listen to what you're saying, obviously know what you're saying and, and tell a sto- tell the information, but yeah. Yeah, because uh, narration, you know, you mentioned narration, that can mean a lot of different things. Like if you're doing like, for example, if you're doing narration for like a true crime series, it's going to be like deep and serious and, you know, it's it's not going to be wacky and goofy, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you have to be connected. I mean, if you're just talking about true crime and you're kind of like just faking it, just faking what it sounds like, what you think a promo, I mean, the narration sounds like, the listener knows in some way that you're not connected or and you won't even book the job in the first place. But, yeah. Uh, you, you never know sometimes, but, like, <laughs> you know. So, There's yeah. some people who are really good at faking it and they don't have a technique. So, yeah, I mean, I guess it works. It works sometimes. Well, I mean, sometimes they do hire people who – have like a quote unquote narrator voice or like the right. Don LaFontaine deep voice that they want for some right, right, reason right. because yeah. you know Don LaFontaine is unfortunately not around anymore but he had a distinctive sound that like everyone wanted to copy like I remember that mm-hmm. period where everyone wanted to be Don LaFontaine and it was a it was a weird time in voiceover <laughs> yeah um and you know moving on to 
like what I'm guessing most people want are listening to this for uh, cookie run. How did you get involved in that? Um, I got involved, I think just from, I work with um, the production company a lot and on a lot of different games. And so they just hired me. Um, I actually didn't audition for it. I was like, I didn't know what character I was doing until like the couple days before. Um, and it was super fun. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah, I'm playing sorbet cookie shark and I, and I had no idea. Basically I get, a lot of times I get to a session and I don't know what I'm playing and they play a bit from my, my video game demo. That's the, the like pro of having a video game demo is they can kind of be like, I like this character and kind of take inspiration from that. So yeah, I just got there and I was like, I don't know what voice you want. Cause I didn't audition for this. And then they like played a little clip from my demo and like, we like this voice for sorbet. And I was like, okay. Yeah, but I mean, it's super exciting. I didn't really realize what it was. And, and then I'd, I'd heard of the game, but yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for it to come out. <laughs> I mean, it already is out, but... <laughs> but, uh, but but the English dub. I think the English dub comes out October 8th. Yeah, because I'm just looking at this cast and I'm just like, it's really amazing. <laughs> and I just yeah. want to play... I just want to listen to it because I've heard snippets and I really like what I've heard and... I'm just amazed that they actually got Patty McCormick on. This. I know it's really amazing, and like Yuri Lowenthal, I was like, "Darn, this is so cool!" <laughs> yeah, it's super exciting. Like, it's, and it's, it's got such a fan base, which is amazing. No, it's it's. I've just been. What I love about it is that I love how if you go to the social, if you go to their Twitter profile, they you know make every voiceover announcement feel like a big event, and I'm like, that's how you should do it. It, it shouldn't just be like. Okay, here's like one post about who's doing the voiceover. Here's here's the cast list and bye. No, it should feel like an event. It's like so and so is playing this character, that so and so is playing that character and they do I just I just love it. <laughs> you know, it's like I know. I mean, I'm so like it's the it's the most that a a video game company has like promoted their actors. Like we normally the pro the hard part about being a video game voice actor is a lot of times I have no idea when something's coming out. I have no idea when it did did come out, and I'll just be like, oh, I guess I'll Google every few weeks like my character's name and the video game. And sometimes you don't even get the name; <clears throat> you get like a you know a, a code name, so you don't even know what the game was. So I just sometimes like Google my character's name because I know the character's name. And then sometimes I'll find a clip like months later. But this was like Dev Sisters just put out so much information and told us that we could post it was it was great they're awesome and was there a reason they picked you specifically for the role of uh the shark cookie <laughs> um so i i mean i just think they they liked i mean i were like again i worked with i work with keywords studio a lot and i think they were working with dev sisters and um they just know my work and so i yeah, I guess they liked something on my demo, but and just thought I could do it. I mean, they didn't even have me do the like like the the underwater sounds. They didn't I mean, I didn't audition for it. They just I guess assumed I could do it, but it's a good thing I could. But yeah. And what was the most fun thing about recording for that? I mean, the most fun was the fact that there were like literally about four pages of the sounds. So I like literally I did it in all different emotions, different and like different meanings. Like the director would come up with, he was great. He would come up with the, um, you know, what, what I was saying, even though it was not really specific on the script, 
And so I would, I would just, and then I would have that intention underneath my bubble sounds. Like, how do you put emotion into that, into, into that sound? I mean, it's literally just thinking the line. Like if someone's like, let's go get, if you're, you're thinking, let's go get him. It's like, you know, like, so you kind of like put it underneath the, the sound. Cause that, I, cause I can't do that. Cause that, that is, <laughs> that sounds really, really tough. It reminds me a lot of, um, Alan Oppenheimer and how he, when he used to do Merman and, and Sea Spray on Transformers, he would give them mm-hmm. that distinctive voice where he sounds like he's gargling water at all times. And I just, I just think that's amazing. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's fun. I mean, you do, you do it a lot. I like I did. Well, I didn't do the Sims, regular Sims, like the adults, but I did the babies. But like if you audition for like nonsensical Sims type language things, which we I auditioned for, you know, on occasion, they'll be this, they'll be like, this is what it means. So you're saying nonsensical words, but you're just putting the intention of those words underneath it. But how would you come up with like baby talk in Simish? Um, I mean... I didn't do any baby. I mean, I could do baby talk, but I basically did like cries and it was like very young babies that I played. Um, so I, d- I wasn't like, you know, like doing toddler sounds. But um, I mean, same thing. Like, I mean, toddlers are a perfect example of like, you know, they don't actually talk yet or babies that don't talk yet, but they have an intention behind what they're saying. They're like, I'm hungry, you know, you know, that kind of thing that must have been another fun record session just like hey i'm gonna do baby sounds for the sims of all games yeah that was that was incredible because it was like it was several years ago and it was you know before remote recording really and so they flew me out to san francisco and put me up in a hotel and i went to the um campus of ea which is really cool in san francisco i don't know if it still exists like the, the the cafeteria was so good like so healthy and really good food um, but yeah, and then I just recorded for like five hours. We took a lunch break and there was like a, there was a school trip visiting EA and they came in and were watching me record and we're just so confused, <laughs> but it was really fun. Oh, those poor kids. <laughs> seeing. <laughs> I know they were probably like, what is happening? This is just our school field trip. There's a girl make, crying like a baby. Because <laughs> that, that must be weird for any child because you know, when, when you're still a kid, you don't know that there are people doing the voices and, you know, seeing, I can't imagine like seeing someone doing voices in a booth at that age. I I, I would have just been like, I don't understand this. I don't like I know. This. I mean, I think that's why people on TikTok are like, what the hell? Like when I had a, a TikTok that was like the baby cries from The Sims and people were like, I hate you. <laughs> like, because it was so disturbing and weird. Like to see, hear like a grown woman, like cry like a baby. <laughs> yeah, that's why like, I, I think I said this before in a previous episode, but that's why like I'm so sometimes protective when it comes to hearing actors perform their characters you know you know just seeing them perform their characters because it just creates this weird not uncanny valley but like this weird effect of you know you're hearing bart simpson's voice come out of a grown yeah you know and i just i just don't like that it just it feels weird (laughs) 
It's so, it's probably so weird for other people. I mean, I like I'm used to it, but it's like, yeah, it's probably so strange. You're like, don't ruin my childhood. <laughs> I mean, especially if it's something like, you know, Bart Simpson or Homer yeah. Simpson, like stuff like you grew up watching in the 90s and just, you know, seeing Dan Castellaneta just like pull out his characters and when he's talking, it's just, it's weird. I don't know how to describe it. Oh my gosh. There's a great video if you haven't seen it. I think it was for like SpongeBob's birthday of the cast of SpongeBob in like the real actors pretending they were like at working at Krabby Patties. Have you seen that video? The YouTube? Oh, that was that was from an episode. <laughs> oh, was it from an episode? Oh, I thought yeah. it was for a, for a special thing. Yeah, that was so cool. <laughs> My husband sent it to me. I was like, this is amazing. Like seeing them all do it in in person was incredible. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was hilarious and 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 again, it just proves that, you know, no one else can be SpongeBob but Tom. You know, Tom right, Kenny. exactly. Yeah. Um do you have you mentioned like home recording you know how was it like getting used to doing home recording recording from home well i have had a home setup i mean i i haven't had my booth like i have a studio bricks booth but i had a home setup in my closet for years because we we have been auditioning for from home for years i mean when i first moved back to la you know 13 years ago or something from college um I was with an agency that wanted me to go in and it was actually pretty far away from where I lived, which was kind of annoying. I would go in like every morning and and do, you know, five auditions at 10 a.m. And I would have to wait in the waiting room. It, it took a long time. It was like it was about an hour from my house. So when I switched to an agency that was only remote, mostly they didn't want us coming in. It was great. <laughs> um, so I've been doing remote auditioning for years, I mean, there were points where I was just like sitting on my bed with pillows around me and my microphone. Um, obviously, that wasn't like broadcast quality, but it was fine for auditioning. But yeah, and then I then I kind of set up my closet setup, and that was broadcast quality as long as I didn't have external noise coming in. Um, so I've been doing it for a while, I guess, m much longer than the pandemic. But so it it was pretty easy to transition, and it's kind of nice. Um, to be able to record from home. I mean, I still, I have a job next week where I'm, or yeah, one, one job next week where I'm going in and then a couple that I'm just recording from home, which is, I'd prefer to record from home, but it is actually really fun to go in still, even if I have to drive an hour in traffic. Well, I mean, when you go, when you go into a studio, the engineers are there and you don't have to worry about, you know, stuff like getting. Right. Yeah. That part. And also just like seeing a director in person, like having the rapport and, and meeting them and, you know, there have been times I've like I had a couple I had, I think, three sessions in person during the pandemic. And one of them I like, you know, as a director I hadn't worked with in a while. So it was nice seeing him. And then I saw like a casting director who's also an actor in the waiting room to catch and caught up with her. She's a friend. Like it was just nice to see people because we've been like home not seeing any humans. <laughs> well, yeah, nearly. Really is it really is a <laughs> weird experience, like just talking to someone face to face after Aaron a year and a half of staying at home. It just feels yeah, weird. It's, <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> it's fun though. I mean, it's it feels you know it feels like you're going back to normal. Although you know it's not normal in LA. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't even know anymore. Like sometimes <laughs> you know sometimes it's like you know you look at the news and it's like oh everything seems to go back to normal and then like. One week later, everything's gone back to crap, and you're like, uh. 
I think it's also different for everyone. Like I, you know, I drove by a restaurant last night and it was full of people. And to me, I'm like, oh my God, you're eating inside a restaurant. I mean, it's to be to each their own, obviously. But I'm like, I'm pregnant also. So I wouldn't, I'm not eating inside in restaurants. But yeah, like, so I just, I'm like, oh, people are, people are living their normal lives. And I'm like, I never see anyone. <laughs> So, like, you know, you said, like, you were used to recording from home. I'm just I'm just wondering, um, like, you know, obviously, you know, during the pandemic, you know, everyone was kind of miserable, you know, having to record from home, especially those uh, actors who are used to coming into studios. (laughs) Like, did it make that much of a difference to you, like, you know, from a from a um an acting standpoint or just an emotional standpoint yeah i guess not from an acting standpoint really um i mean it i like it's just more like the weird etiquette like you know sometimes i'm on a zoom with the director or whatever and like they'll have their camera on but like i don't want to have my camera on because i'm so up close to the camera and then i'll be self-conscious acting (laughs) and then like you know i don't think they expect you to have it on but then yeah there's this there's a whole like etiquette thing too that you're just like not sure what to do also jobs sometimes take a little bit longer like because the client's on with you like you can hear the client normally when you're in a session at a studio, the client you can't hear the client. The client's on with the engineer and the director. So I'll just be standing there, you know, quiet while they are in the other room, you know, mouthing things that I can't hear. But when I'm on the session with the actual client, like I can hear their their notes. So it's like weird. And there's like, you know, sometimes some language barrier things because I do a lot of uh, foreign games. So there's a lot of like kind of awkwardness with the Zoom set- sessions. But I mean, it's fine. I think everyone's getting used to it more. But the acting wise, it doesn't affect the acting. It's just sometimes the session is a little bit longer because I have to like because there's weird technical things. But is it odd getting like notes from from people during a session like that? From the from the client. It's yeah. weird because I don't know whether I'm supposed to respond to the client because normally I wouldn't respond to the client. I would just respond to the director but I'm like, okay, you know, like, cause instead of having him translate or her translate the, uh, you know, the client's notes to me, I kind of just like hear it. So I have to just, you know, decide if I'm going to like acknowledge that or just like wait for the director's like translation. So it's a little awkward. Oh, especially, yeah, no, especially when there's a language barrier, like you have yeah. to wait. Like clients and there's like the and then yeah, there's like the times the like record. I mean the like Zoom delays. So it'll be like, uh, so what do you think of that read or whatever? And they'll be like a like a four second delay, and then it's like, yeah, we really liked. You know, it's just kind of awkward. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's like uh, we, uh, your microphone was muted. I, I didn't notice. Yeah, a lot of that. <laughs> Um, how long does it, you know, how long is an average session for you nowadays? Average sessions, normally about an hour. Um, I mean, it depends. I think like cookie run was, um, you know, three, I think we were scheduled for four. We did it in three or something. Um, and, but yeah, normally normal video game sessions for me are about an hour. Sometimes they schedule it for longer or it takes like, you know, sometimes it takes 10 minutes, but, um, yeah, about an hour, which is nice. 
because it used before the video game strike video game sessions used to be four hours which was really long oh yeah i forgot about that <laughs> now, yeah now the average session is a lot shorter because yeah it's much nicer <laughs> That's you like one have... of the benefits of that strike. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to worry about like spending four hours doing battle noises. Exactly. Yeah. Before they could do kind of I mean, yeah, they would do the whole they do the whole session and then we'd be like, Okay, let's do exertions after four hours of talking. And now it's like if it has exertions, it's only an hour, which is really nice. And do you do have you ever done anything that required uh, exertions? Yeah, yeah, all the time. I do a lot of um fight sound kind of and characters like badass warrior people i mean I, I i do i've been doing the elder scrolls online for probably like 10 years or something different characters so every i think El every elder scrolls session has exertions at the end pretty much every i've been in you know smite and um a bunch of other games and like pretty much everyone has exertions because the, the characters always fight you know <laughs> You mentioned Elder Scrolls. Like, how many characters have you voiced in total as of this recording for that? I probably have no idea. Probably, like, ten or more. I mean, I have, like, the, you know, the Bosmer female, the Dunmer females that I do almost every time, like, the same women. But now I'm playing some other characters. Um, I, I play Enigma. Um, I, can't, I can't remember the names of the other characters, but, like, I play a lot of, like, um, NPCs that just uh, are more have names now too, but I but I also play a lot of like just the women throughout the game, you know, like the market woman and the the Bosmer market woman, the Dunmer, blah blah blah, you know. Does it feel odd coming back to that game every couple of years because they're constantly <laughs> releasing updates for that? I mean, it's great. It's the gift that keeps on giving. It's literally like, you know, it's been going on since I was like for years. So it's great. I love it. <laughs> I'm perfectly happy. I mean, I don't I don't play it, but I'll I'll watch, you know, I'll watch a lot of cutscenes. I kind of understand it. And um, but it's yeah, it's I mean, it's really fun. And it's, I, you know, the directors have switched over the years. Um, I think the production companies and the, the company itself, I think it was Bethesda and now it's uh, I can't remember Zenimax. I think yeah. So it's so it's changed, but it's yeah, it's fun. I'm so grateful. No, it just must be must feel weird, like looking back at some of like the, your earlier characters and comparing them to 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 your newer characters, and you're like, oh, was that how I sounded like back then? Yeah, probably my my accents have gotten a lot better because I do a lot of British act, different uh, dialects of British in it. Um, so I'm sure my accents have gotten better than when I first, when I first did it. And how did you find the, the tackling stuff like, uh, accents and dialects? Was it hard at first or did it, you know, was it easy? Um, I love accent. I just have always had like a kind of good ear for accents and dialects. I kind of can hear it and then do it. Um, and I just, I've been traveling, yeah, I travel a lot throughout my life with my family and we've gone to the UK a lot. So I kind of just would, when I was little, wherever we would travel, I would kind of practice the accent. So we went to New Zealand. I would kind of just like walk around talking in the accent when I was like 12. Um, in the UK, I would just kind of listen to the accents and practice it. So it's kind of been something that I've been doing forever. And then when I get to like an accent that I haven't done a lot or I need to perfect for something like... Scandinavian is a really hard um, accent to do, and I'll just – I worked with a dialect coach on that one. 
Um, but the other ones, like most of them, I can kind of, you know, listen to and then and then practice. I'll listen to these like video bloggers, like teenage video bloggers who are Australian to kind of perfect it, that kind of thing. And what's your favorite accent? Um, I mean, UK accents are definitely my favorite because they're easier for me. <laughs> they're like that just come naturally. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think like probably, yeah, RP accent or the RP accent or kind of like, I also really, I, I did a road trip around the, uh, Northern UK a couple years ago and my, and I really like the like Yorkshire accent. It's really hard, but I liked practicing it. And we went to, uh, Scotland. So I was practicing like an Edinburgh accent. Um, I mean, I don't know. I love all accents. It's so fun. But I mean, yeah, I think I mentioned this before in another episode when I was discussing dialects. It kind of annoys me personally when they send out an audition and they say British accent. Yeah. But it's like, what type of British accent? Be more specific, please. Yeah, that's something I think a lot of like Brits have problems with. They're like, there's no such thing as a standard British accent. I think when they say that, what they mean really is like the just a central London, not you know too affected uh, kind of accent where they where they just like you know just a standard British accent, which you know doesn't actually exist, but in voiceover it does. It's uh, what was it the Midwestern accent or what was it the uh, the I can't believe it's not British accent where it's it is kind of British but not really. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of bad British. But the funny thing is about accents in video games is like I was listening to one yesterday. I write um, animation and video game demos and I was working with a student. We were listening to a clip from a video game and I was like, oh, God, her New York accent's so bad. Like she's not hitting that, you know, she's not dropping the S there, blah, blah, blah. And these people get cast. Like it doesn't matter if the acting's there. That's the number one. And then people don't really know what an accent should actually sound like. So a lot of times it's, you know, you're working with an American director who's directing a British accent. They don't really know. I have to correct myself. Sometimes if I'm doing a British accent and I don't, you know, change the sound on a word, um, like can't, you know, like if I, if I accidentally say it can't and it's, you know, a southern UK accent, um, I have to, I change it myself. You know, like I'll be like, wait a second, let me go back and do that again because the director sometimes doesn't realize, you know. Isn't it weird how no one ever gets hired to play themselves when it comes to voiceover? Like, you get, like, British people playing American characters, Americans playing British people. It's just, it's so weird. I know. It is funny. It, it is funny. I mean, being a British actor in L.A. is probably, like, a little bit of an impediment because there's so many people who will just, they hire Americans to do British accents, so... No, I remember because I'm I'm friends with um, Larissa Gallagher, who's from you know uh, 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 Australia, and she <laughs> talked about like losing a role to someone who wasn't Australian. So it's like it happens. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know? oh, yeah. So weird. I hear accents all the time. I'm like, oh, that was horrible. Why would they cast that person? What? Okay. Which like d does that kind of bother you sometimes? Where you, you become like so good at you know when it comes to dialects that you know, a bad, you could, like spotting a, a bad dialect kind of ruins the experience for you? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, more so like in in on-camera movies, that bothers me. Like if I hear an actor who I'm like, oh, 
they're hor- like a horrible British accent. When like it bothers me, especially when they're in a movie with Brits and like they're still their accents bad. I'm like, you're literally surrounded by the people who actually speak with that accent and you can't do it well. Um, but yeah, it definitely takes me out and bothers me. There's certain actors like, you know, Anne Hathaway does a lot of like British accents. I'm like, no, stop doing British accents. Um, but yeah. Uh, well, it's funny you mentioned that because I remember, what was it? Um, I don't remember the, the the exact movie, but it was a British movie directed by Frank Oz, about the funeral movie. And um, Alan, 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 Alan Tunick was playing a British character. And that oh, kind of yeah, death that, at a funeral. Or... Yeah, death at a funeral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That really bothered me because it's like it's Alan Tunick. <laughs> Why is he doing a British? He actually, I remember him being kind of good at it though, because I was listening. I was like, I thought he was British. I, I mean, from what I I saw the movie so long ago, but I remember thinking he was British and then being like, oh wait, he's not British, because <laughs> every I think everyone else was British in that movie. I don't remember, um, or maybe that was the American version. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely bothers me. I'm like, why you could easily have cast a British actor. Some people are really good at it, though. But yeah, some people, some actors are just just so awful. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to name names, but like sometimes and and especially like I think what bothers me is that when it comes to media aimed at children, they go for the stereotypical, like, cartoonish Brit, which, I mean, I understand, you know, it's for children, and, you know, that's that's what people think of when they think of the stereotypical British accent, but it's just, it's so noticeable, because it's like, oh, it's Troy Baker doing Loki, and, you know, you can tell it's right. Troy Baker. <laughs> What's interesting, though, is um, I think Disney, certain networks now are, like, doing such accurate... Um, you know, ethnically accurate casting, accent act- accurate casting, that they're not having Americans do British accents anymore. Like, I think Disney doesn't want Americans doing British accents anymore. Like how Disney, if Disney has, uh, you know, a show about a Vietnamese family, they're going to make sure to hire all Vietnamese voice actors. Um, same thing. They're not going to have an American do a British accent anymore, which is kind of, I mean, it's kind of nice. Except for those Americans who can do British accents, then it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you can always just say, well, we have this character who's regal, but not British. <laughs> and there you yeah, go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's how you work around it. It's like, just, just say they're regal, but not British. So you, yeah. can, so you can do a posh accent, but it's not a British posh accent, so you can get away with it. Right. <laughs> Tools of the trade. Um um out of all the uh, out of all the stuff you've done uh, uh do you ever go back to listen to to some of your old stuff um uh, not auditions for sure i hate listening to my old auditions but um work wise i guess um not really you know like i'll i'll sometimes post a clip of of something i've done but it's kind of like in this industry it's almost like you're almost only as good as your next job (laughs) like you know a job's over and it's like you post a oh look I did this video game and then you know went on to the next thing so I don't really I'd say go back I mean I'm sure if I was in some sort of animated movie that was just constantly like being shown or something I would watch it a lot but yeah not not like my video game roles and stuff because a lot of people I talk to can't stand listening to their to their own work because it's like 
I, I, yeah, you just, you just become too too critical, and I don't blame them because it's because you know, you're constantly focused on the next big thing, and you know, looking back on something, and you're like, oh, that's the take they picked. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't mind. I mean, I've listened to myself for so long that I don't mind hearing myself. I don't like auditioning. When I'm auditioning, I hate listening back to my auditions. Um, you know, I'll just get really critical and want to do it again. But if it's already a job that's out there, I'm like, well, whatever. There's the job. I'm sure, you know, maybe they didn't choose the rest, the nicest take. But like, yeah, I'm fine hearing myself that way. But yeah, auditions, I'm like, I do it. I listen back once and then I send it. I can't. I'm not that kind of person who can go back like a couple hours later, listen again with a fresh ear. Like some people say that and then do another take. I'm like, if I do that, I'll do like 50 takes because I'll just I just won't like my audition. Oh, especially when it comes to like old demos. Ooh. Oh, yeah. I don't like Ooh. listening to my old demos. <laughs> Demos, like, as soon as it's out, I'm like, oh, I don't like this. <laughs> because I, I – not to throw shade at anybody, but I have listened to my fair share of demos, and a lot of them just aren't very good. I'm sorry. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, demos are so hard because they get dated really fast. Like, even some of my some of my demos, like, I listen to my commercial demo, and I'm like, well, it sounds kind of dated because the style is really conversational now. My, none of my pieces are really that conversational, and they feel a little bit like Franken – take you know takes and stuff but um yeah I, there's a lot and it's funny because you'd think listening to the demos of pro actors who are all with the top agencies would be really good demos but a lot of them haven't redone their demos in years because they don't need to so they don't sound very good oh no i listened to uh, roger craig smith's old demo and oh boy it's so dated oh yeah <laughs> it's so dated which is a shame because you know roger's a phenomenal talent but you know i just kind of wish that he had a better demo to showcase his, his talent but you know you you're roger craig smith you've been in the business for almost a couple of years now and people know what you're going to get with when it comes to you so it's like oh, well, right. why bother you know yeah there's no need people feel no need to redo their demos if they're already booking work already with an agency like there's just no reason to yeah, but it, it kind of bothers me when I listen to, you know, up-and-comers. You know, I go to the websites and listen to their demos. And, like, a lot, like, a lot of times, like, it does, doesn't flow well because it's, yeah. like, the editing is not very good. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, it just And it takes me out of it because it's like, okay, you had me in, like, the first couple of minutes, but then you just lost me. And well, I, I find with a lot of demos because I since I do direct demos, like I find a lot of people bringing me their de their you know their demo that their friend produced or whatever. Maybe they got it professionally produced. It's not cohesive stories. It's not archetypes that are we see a lot. It's not like oh, I know who exactly what that character looks like, and you know when you hear the sound, and that's what you should do. Like when you hear a demo, you should be like, oh, I know exactly what that character looks like. I know who they are. I know what what. Um, genre they fit into and what um network they would be on like that's what a demo should should do a modern animation demo but modern animation demos are harder because uh, animation is constantly changing and the style right, yeah. of acting is constantly changing so yeah and it has to have those, those that conversational read on there because it's really everything's like conversational conversational so, and do you find it like, do you find it like um, a lot of people have a hard, a hard time keeping up with the changes or do you think it's easier now? 
Um, I think that you, you definitely have to be up on the industry, like just paying attention. It's important. Like there's several aspects. Like it's important to be like knowing what kind of auditions are coming in. So like I, I'm lucky enough to be with a really great agency who sends me a lot of the, the you know, the top auditions. So I'm seeing what comes in. And so that helps me as a coach because I do um, coaching and teach classes. And then it helps me as a demo producer, too, because I, you know, I know exactly what is casting right now. Um, and also, like, watching shows, too, seeing how they how they turn out. Um, but, yeah, everything's changing so drastically. And also I do a lot of um, casting director workshops for for me as an actor, like meeting the casting directors and hearing what they say is really important too and just keeping up with that not just doing like one workshop you know five years ago and then never doing another one again it's important to keep it up oh no you have to you have to keep constantly doing workshops because if you're not doing that you're not going to get better because the industry is constantly changing and you can't be stuck in one position got to keep right forward Even the ca- the top people, I mean, maybe not the, the top top, you know, not, Tara Strong's not in casting director workshops, but, you know, I, I, Vanessa Marshall was in a casting director workshop I was in a couple years ago, <clears throat> and someone was like, what are you doing here? <laughs> like, you're Vanessa Marshall. And she was like, I just want to practice. I just want to keep up on my game. Like, you know, so she, like, that's so smart. I think my dad said he did classes until his agents were like, what are you doing? Like, you're working. You're booking work all the time. You don't need to take classes anymore. I've, I've, been, I've been taking classes and workshops for, like, you know, the last 13 years after getting a BFA in theater. It's just – it's so important. Because you're always going to learn something new because everyone right. is going to bring their own experience into into the workshop and – you know, every every person you talk to has a different story and, and, and a different technique that, you know, might sound silly at first, but, you know, you you put it into practice. It's like, oh, oh gosh, they're right. They were right all along. Right. No, I mean, and you learn new things. I, I did a workshop with Jennifer Hale, and she had a different approach than how I approach a video game. And I, I used her approach, and I was like, you know what? That really works. Like, it was... Yeah, you learn so much. I take something from every single person that I do a workshop with and and every casting director. Like, you learn these gems that you can apply to all your auditions and all your work. It's amazing. Do you, do you feel like watching shows from a critical uh, perspective r- hampers your enjoyment or, is it, or doesn't make that much of a difference to you? I feel like actually do- – like, I'm able to watch shows without criticizing because I just get so – I don't watch a lot of animation. I mostly watch, like, adult anime. You know, I watch Big Mouth, and sometimes, like, I'll watch, like, Rick and Morty um, and stuff. But, like, it's it's more, like, fun. I mean, also, it's a lot of celebrities, so I can't really, like, be like, oh, it's so-and-so, you know. Um, but, yeah, no, I think I'm able to watch it critically. in it, and Because I, I just think, like, that's the magic of animation is you see something and you believe it. Like, you believe, even, I I love watching, like, Pixar movies and stuff, so I watched Luca, and, like, you hear these little kids, these kids' voices coming out of these characters, you just believe it, and you're like, it's just, I I think that's what's magical about animation, is you're able to just kind of suspend your disbelief. I mean, it depends on the performance, because That's true. (laughs) Mostly, like, Disney and those kind of things are pretty good. (laughs) I mean, it, it, sometimes you can have a really talented cast, but if the direction and writing isn't very good, then the product isn't going to be very good. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, 
anyway, before we, we wrap things up, um, do you have anything, any words of advice for anybody who wants to get into the industry? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a long game. It's not a quick money-making industry for sure. Um, it's really about hard work. I mean, the people that succeed in this are the people who just work really, really hard and take a ton of classes and meet people and, you know, are friendly. Everyone who's in this industry who succeeds is really nice. Um, so you have to be a nice person. Um, and just, you know, knowing that you're never done learning, like you're constantly learning new things. And um, it's just also the it's important to have a community in this industry. So starting to get into workout groups, even if you can't pay for a private coach every week, getting into a, a weekly workout group or a biweekly, you know, or getting into a free workout group with some some fellow peers is is really important to create that community and to get that feedback. I think it's more important to get feedback than to be auditioning in the beginning. So instead of just signing up for like a pay-to-play website, just start start reading in a in a workout group for several months and so you can get actual feedback instead of just throwing an audition into the nothingness. So yeah, I think that's what's most important. No, and there are a lot of voice actors who are offering workout groups and and um and, and workshops that you can you can attend and I mean it, it is it's, you know workshops are kind of expensive but you know if you're serious about this you know they are I highly recommend them because you're not gonna get um, th- this type of um, you know this type of experience uh, you know constantly it's it's uh, yeah you know you constantly have to keep moving forward anyway also like learning learning from the best too like make sure you're taking uh you know taking classes from the best people like save your money don't take like a bunch of classes at some studio that promises you a demo at the end of three months um i won't name any names but um save your money and take a private coaching with session with like the top like commercial coach or, or um animation coach like take take it with the top people don't take it with just your local like if you live in florida don't take a class with like a Florida voiceover person, <laughs> take a class with an LA or a New York voiceover person. Cause they're the people who are actually in the industry. Yeah. I mean, Steve Bloom off- offers classes and I highly recommend them cause it's like yeah. Steve Bloom, you know, he knows what right, he's talking yeah. about. <laughs> I mean, everybody, mostly everyone does zoom, uh, these days. So you can take from anywhere. Yeah. That's a be- the magic of the internet. It's made it a lot yeah. easier for him to break into the, the magic of the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> um, and finally, my 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 final question is the obvious one, but um, you know, can you give us an update on what you know you're currently working on the stuff you're ta- allowed to talk about anyway? Yeah, um, I mean, like I said, a lot of things that I work on or have worked on recently, I don't know what they are, um, or I'm under NDA. Um, I have a couple games coming out, um, a new character in a game that I've been in before. Um, and then I have, so I, I luck, hopefully have an animated series that I'm going to be working on soon. Um, but I can't say anything about that. And then I have another, another game that's going to, yeah, I can't really say any, a lot of times it's, I'm sure you get this a lot on your podcast. Like people are like, can't really say what it is, but there's something coming out. Um, but yeah, I mean, Cookie Run Kingdom, I play Sorbet Cookie Shark that comes out, 
Uh, Swig Cookie Shark, I don't know. Um, <laughs> that comes out. Uh, it's already out, but the English dub is coming out October, for, October 8th. So you can hear me on there. And where can people find you on social media? On social media, I'm at Ariana Ratner, Ariana with two N's. Um, I do private coaching, which is just on my website, arianaratner.com. Um, and, I mean, I'm on TikTok, but I never post on there anymore. But Ariana Ratner VO is my TikTok. All right. Thanks so much for taking the time to do this. This has been a lot of fun and very informative. So um, thanks. And uh, if you ever want to come back, you know where to find me. Yeah, thank you. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks.